You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Do us a favor. Would you encourage me? Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good to see you. Facebook and on Instagram as well, and to you upstairs in the atrium downstairs in the Catholic Church, to those of you who are listening on Catch Up on the podcast or listening or watching on YouTube afterwards. Good morning again. I want to talk to you this morning about receiving help from heaven. Help from heaven is what we have just literally rejoiced about. What we just celebrated is help from heaven. There was no way for us to be made right with God. And so God did what was necessary and sent help from heaven so that we could be put right with him. Our relationship with him could be restored. Does anybody here ever find that in their lives they really need some help from heaven? Lavasuus, Lavasuus, which means hands up to those of you who don't speak native Irish, the native Irish. Help from heaven is what we all need. Now I want to look at this passage. I was looking last week at Isaiah chapter 36 and the message was called the enemy at the gate. And what I want to do is, I'll bring back my notes here because I put my notes to one side a while ago. What I want to do is, I want to look at again, I want to finish off the story because every good story you've ever read or every, every good book you've ever read or any decent film you've ever read has four stages to the story. And the four stages are thus. One is the setup. You get find out who the characters are. You find out who's in the story. Second is the dilemma. What trouble is happening in the situation? Third is the conflict that resolves that dilemma. And fourth is the resolution of that conflict. Well, last week we looked at the setup and we looked at the dilemma. And if you can remember back to last week, and even if you can, let me briefly recap you. The land has been invaded by the armies of Sennacherib, son of Sargon II of Assyria. And the people of Israel are trapped in the city of Jerusalem, as is their king, a man called Hezekiah. And they're trapped inside the city, and there's no way out for them, because the whole country has been overthrown. It's been ravaged. They have been pillaged. They have been plundered. They have been stolen from. They have been murdered. They've been taken away in chains. And that's the context into which today's story begins. And that is that what happened was they surrounded the city of Jerusalem and sent a message to Hezekiah and made some declarations to him, basically saying, okay, there's no way out, what are you going to do? And the first part of the message that was sent to Hezekiah was this. This is what the question was. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? On whom are you depending? When you face trouble, brothers and sisters, this very same question comes up in your life. Whether you actually ask the question or whether you just psychologically and spiritually feel the question, when situations and circumstances happen in our lives, when we are threatened by the past, the present, or the future, when we think the past is gonna catch up with us or the future is frightening, whatever view we have of it, this is a question that is going to be asked of every one of us. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? Who were you depending on? On whom were you depending? And that was the question that Senator asked Hezekiah as he had him trapped in the city. 
And so we're going to get to the story in Isaiah chapter 47. So the situation has been set up, surrounded, no way out as we turn the page into Isaiah chapter 47. To give you a bit of a fill-in, what's after happening, message has reached Sennareev that another army is marching against him. And so he withdraws his troops from, specifically around the cities of Lachish, where it is one of them, Jerusalem is the other, he withdraws his troops. And as he goes, he fires a little parting shot. And it's the parting shot we're going to begin with in our scriptures this morning. I want to talk to you about a letter arising. Have you ever had a letter come in the door that you wish hadn't come in the door? Anybody ever have a letter like that? I have one that's called my visa bill. It comes in every month, the credit card bill. And strange enough, nobody ever opens it other than me. I'm the only person who opens it. And very often it contains bad news. Well, this was a letter that also contained bad news. Do you know, we may live in an age when we click this and we open emails and we have electronic communication through all the various different types and styles of media, but the bottom line really is this bad news almost always comes in the form of a letter, doesn't it? I mean, that bad news about your health normally comes in the form of a letter. The layoff very often comes in the form of a letter. The final notice about the bill comes in the form of a letter. And so often we receive these messages, whether they are in letters or emails or whatever they are, and they threaten us, and they say things to us that we really don't want to hear. And that was the letter that arrived to this guy. That was the letter that was sent to Hezekiah. It was addressed to him for the attention of King Hezekiah of Judah, the royal palace in Jerusalem, Judah. And that was the letter I'm making now, of course. I mean, that's probably not what I'm actually saying, but for what it's worth. And so the letter arrives. And he opens the letter, and written in it are the words of Sennacherib, son of Sargon II, the king of Assyria. And in the letter, and these are literally taken from the scriptures, this is from the NLT, Isaiah chapter 37, verses 10 to 13, and this is what the letter said. This message is for Hezekiah. Put your name in. Put your name in. This message is for Mike Hesham. This message is for Betty Walsh. This message is for... Kay McAvoy, this message is for Michael Eckersley. This message is for Nuno McCarthy. Put your name in there. This message is for you, the King of Judah. Don't let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you with promises that Jerusalem will not be captured by the King of Assyria. You know perfectly well what the kings of Assyria have done wherever they have gone. And you know how they have completely destroyed everyone who stood in their way. Why should you be any different? Why should you be any different? Have the gods of other nations rescued them? Such as the gods of the nations of Gozan and Haran and Rezeth? And the people of Eden who were destroyed in the battle at Tel Asar, my predecessors destroyed them all. What happened to the kings of Hamath and the king of Arpad? What happened to the kings of Shepardim, Hena, and Eva? Best regards, love and hopes, Sennacherib, son of Sargon II, king of Assyria. And he writes his boast about all that he has done and all that his predecessors have done, he writes his boast 
and says, don't let God deceive you that he's going to rescue you. Don't get it in your head that God is going to be able to rescue you in my hands. Look what I've done everywhere I have gone. And then he asks a dangerous question. A question that maybe your enemy, the devil, asks you sometimes. Or maybe you ask of yourself. And the question is this. Why should you be any different? Why should you be different to your neighbor? Why should you be different to your brother, sister, cousin, relative, aunt, uncle, employer, fellow employee, local politician or counselor? Why should you be any different? Should you also just go and experience life in the same way that they experience it, without hope? And without rescue, why should you be any different? You who come into a church on Sunday morning or listen to a church online or come into the atrium or come into the Catholic Church space or watch on YouTube catch up or listen to podcasts, why should you be any different? Let me give you five reasons very quickly why you are different. This is what it says. You are the apple of God's eye. Would anyone say amen? You are the apple of God's eye. You were called, you were chosen, and you are redeemed. Hallelujah. He called you. He chose you. He picked you out, and he bought you back. You are bought with a price. Would anyone say amen? You know, we just spoke about it. We just broke bread. We are bought with the price, the price of Jesus' blood. You are God's sheep. And he is your shepherd. Amen. Amen. He is your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm not going to be left stuck in the weather on some hillside somewhere. God is going to watch over me. God is your shepherd. And can I just say to you, maybe the last reason. You carry the name of Jesus Christ himself. Will anyone say amen? Amen. And when you carry the name of Jesus Christ, you stand out. That's how you should be any different because you are these things. We're going to post this on our social media tomorrow evening. Just, just, this, just to give ourselves a little bit of a reminder that you're the apple of God's eye. That you are chosen and redeemed and called. Hallelujah. Lads, you are different. You're different to your neighbor. You're different to your fellow employer. You're, the employee. you're different to your employer. You're different to your landlord. You're different because God is saying that you are different. Hallelujah. And that's why when he was in, when he wrote the letter and stick your name in there, why do you, John Watch, think that your God is going to deliver you? Why? Because he's different. Would anyone say amen? Would John say amen? Amen. Because you're different. That's why. What God has called us two brothers and sisters is a higher life, a higher experience. And a higher identity. How many people here describe themselves as a Christian? How many people here call themselves a Christian? Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. 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 Like, I'm a Christian. Not going to like, I'm a Christian. I'm really sorry about that. I'm a Christian. If you call yourself a Christian, you are different. You will be different. Amen? Amen. Carry his name. So the story goes on. And we see the response of Hezekiah to the circumstances. So remember what he's been threatened with. Remember what you are sometimes threatened with. Remember the circumstances and situations that break out in your lives. And this is what Hezekiah did. It says, after Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it, he went up to the Lord's temple and he spread it out before the Lord. He took the letter and he spread it out before the Lord. There you are, Lord. That's what he's saying to me. This is what he's saying to me. I should do that with my visa bill. <laughs> this is what they're saying to me. I owe them 
300 euros. No, I don't. My money can be almost shit away. You lay it up before the Lord. You take your medical report and lay it up before the Lord. You take your last warning bill. Lay it up before the Lord. He spread it up before the Lord. And after, and then Hezekiah prayed this prayer before the Lord. And this is what I like. This is what I like. It was the intention of Sennheriv to get Hezekiah away from God. That was his plan. That was his purpose. But the exact opposite happens. Hezekiah goes to the Lord. Instead of being driven away from him, he's driven towards him. You see, it's the same for you in your life. Trouble and situations will come that want to separate you from your God. I love what Matthew Henry says. He says the best way to baffle the malicious designs of the enemy against us is to be driven by them to God. Let those events drive you to God. Not away from him. When a situation happens and you don't understand it, don't go off in a hope and bitterness. Take it to the Lord. When you feel a threat, don't let it drive you away from the presence of God. Take it to him in prayer. Will anyone say amen? Let him know about it. He continues on. This is what he prays. Lord of heaven's armies. Hallelujah. He starts off with the most important part. His city is surrounded by armies. His nation has been invaded by armies. And he says, see all these armies? The Lord of heaven's armies is my God. He, there is more with us than there is with them. Would anyone say amen? amen? There is more with us than there is with them. But God of Israel, you were enthroned between the cherubim. He's referring to the cloud and the visible, the, visible, the visible evidence of the presence of God. You alone, you alone, not all the gods of Harpad and Hava and Eva and all the other gods, you alone are the God who made the heavens and the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. He goes down and he says, bend down, O Lord. Bend down, Lord. Listen. And listen. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to Sinai's <coughs> words of defiance against the living God. And he says, do you know what he does? He brings Sinai's own words into the presence of God. He's not making it up. He's not exaggerating the threats. He brings the words that he said himself into the presence of God. He's not exaggerating the problem. The truth is in the letter. The truth is in the letter. He doesn't exaggerate. He doesn't make more of it than is there. He says, Lord, Lord, read it yourself. Read it yourself, Lord. Look at what he's saying against you. Here's something interesting, brothers and sisters, that you will find from cover to cover in the Bible. Something that we can maybe sometimes slow to do. God likes to be reminded of his honor. And when we remind the Lord and say, Lord, you are the God of heaven's earth. Not, not, not these gods, not his gods, not the gods of the Assyrians, not the gods of Inna and, and Shepherbeam and all these other places. Not them. You are the God of heaven and earth. And for some reason, God seems to welcome all reminders of who he is because it reminds us of who he is too. Would anyone say amen? It's important to remember who your God is. He goes on to say, it is true, Lord. It's true that the kings of Assyria have destroyed all these nations. You see, this is the good thing about praying. When we pray, prayer is not denial. Prayer is not, prayer is not pretending that things aren't as they are. Praying is acknowledging that things are as they are, but that they can be different in Jesus' name. That's what praying is. It acknowledges. He says, you know what you've done. He goes on to say this. No, Lord, rescue us from his power, and then all the kingdoms of earth will know that you alone are God. No, Lord. I love the way he's putting it to him. He says, Lord, this is your chance to be 
known to all the nations of the earth. This is your chance to be known all over the world, Lord. If you rescue us, everyone will know that you are God. And this is why he seems to be, God seems to be delighted when we call him to his own honor, to his own name. I don't understand it, brothers and sisters, it feels off to me, but the truth is that it seems to be time and time again. Moses did it, Abraham did it, David did it. Here we see Hezekiah doing it. It's done in the New Testament. It's all over the place. People call God to his own honor. But do you know the interesting thing about this is that, do you know if you pray, if you pray and God answers your prayer, and you acknowledge that answer before your friends, neighbors, work colleagues, and so on and so forth. It is God who gets the glory. It is God who gets the credit for what happened. Let me give you an example. Imagine you're in work and one of your kids is sick. I'm going to make a lazy assumption that there's a few parents there. One of your kids is sick and you've been praying and the child gets better. And one of the people in work says, how is the Shawnee? How is he getting on? I heard he was sick. And you say, no, no, he's grand, he's recovered, he's fine, and you carry on about your business. No credit goes to God. But imagine if you were simply to say, you know, he was sick, I prayed and asked God to heal him and touch him, and he is doing better now. Thank God, he's after recovering. God is good all the time. Now that leaves, praise the Lord, leaves your, your fellow employee with a dilemma. Either Michael or another one is a nutcase of what he's saying is true. But God gets the glory by your way. Are you with me? Are you with me? Isaiah the prophet, they sent a message to Isaiah. They said, Isaiah, will you pray for us? There was a, several prophets around at the time. Amos, Isaiah, and um, uh, Hosea being three examples who were around at this time and in these events. And they sent a message to Isaiah, will you pray for us? And Isaiah prayed. And then he sent this message to Hezekiah. As they say in France. Please pay attention, brothers and sisters, because there's a point here. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Because you prayed about King Sennacherib of Assyria, the Lord has spoken this word against you. Why? Because you're a great guy, Hezekiah? Or why? Because Hezekiah, to be honest with you, I kind of felt a bit sorry for you this morning. Or Hezekiah, I know you need another handout. No, it is because you prayed. Because you prayed, brothers and sisters. Do we pray when trouble comes? Look at the three simple words. Because you pray. That simple. Why did, why did God move? Because you pray. Because you pray. And it's time after time after time. And Isaiah, all right up to this point, the prophet Isaiah is saying to the people all the time, you need to seek God. If you seek God, he'll help you. If you ask God, he will actually help you out. But you have to ask. You have to ask. You have to bring the situation before God, he's not going to move unless you ask him. In actual fact, he says it quite clearly. Here it is in Isaiah chapter 30. The Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. Not those who rush in and try to solve the problem themselves. Not the people who try to fix it all with their own smarts, with their own strength, with their own abilities. No. Blessed are those who wait for his help. Does anybody here want to be blessed? Lord of Suez, come on, get the hands up. You can put all the age of Israel if you want to. You want help? You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed if you wait for the Lord. Sometimes we get involved in situations and they actually get worse when we try to fix them. Have you ever seen that? I remember when I was small, or not when I was small, when my kids were small, one of them was deciding they were going to repair a toy. And the toy just had something very small broken. They said, I'll do it. They said, no, no, 
unfix it myself. And they said, no, no, let your dad fix it. I, you know, no, no, I'll fix it myself. And so they start fixing. And the more they fixed it, the worse the problem got. The more there was bits and pieces and parts flying everywhere. And in the end, it was just a complete mess. Have you ever had that experience in your life? Where you try to fix a problem, and the more that you try to fix it, the worse it gets? Has anybody had that yeah. I've had that experience, I can tell you that so many times in my life. Wait for the help of the Lord. He will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to your cries. And this is Isaiah getting to the end of a passage in which he says, speaking to the Lord, the Lord said, I was ready to help. I was there waiting if they would just turn to me. I was willing to move on their behalf if only they would ask me what they did. They didn't ask. They didn't turn to me. They didn't turn to me for help, and I would have helped them. It's such a sad passage in the story of Isaiah and the prophecies of Isaiah. But you know, I love what the psalmist said. This is what he said. The psalmist said, Oh Lord, please help us against our enemies, for all human help is useless. There's a time when we must realize, brothers and sisters, that human help is useless to us, and we need help from heaven. With God's help, we will do mighty things, for He will trample down our enemies. He, not we. We'd love to trample down our enemies, wouldn't we? See that fella? I'd like to sort them out. I'd like to take it and shred that fella. I'd like to trample them down. Remember, we used to sing the song, um, Through our God we shall do battle. It is He who will put down our enemies. I remember saying that as a young Christian, and I knew it says He will trample down our enemies. And I was like, I don't have so many enemies, at least I don't think I do, and if I probably do I used to love singing that song because we could trample our enemies in the process, but it is He who does it, brothers and sisters. If you're thinking of trampling on your enemy, let the Lord do the trampling. He knows what He is doing, and only He can do it. We sang earlier, the battle belongs to the Lord, and no one else. It's the Lord's battle. Let Him fight your battles for you. Let him be the one who raises his name in your situation. With God's help, you will do mighty things. He will trample down our enemies. Hallelujah. You know, speaking of, of, of uh, taking matters into our own hands, I want to share something with you this morning that I believe the Lord put on my heart for a man who is, uh, or men, could be plural, man or men who are in a difficult situation at the moment and you are very tempted to take matters into your own hands. I don't know what form that takes, whether it's physical, you're going to take it into your own hands, or whether it's legal, or whether it's a financial, I don't know exactly how you're going to do it. But you know, there's a story in Numbers chapter 22 where Moses, God spoke to Moses, said, speak to the rock and water will come out. But Moses took matters into his own hands, he got frustrated and he hit the rock with a stick, with a stick. He hit it several times with a stick. And the Lord said to him, I told you to speak to the rock. And as a result of that decision by Moses, he faced difficult consequences in his life. Sometimes when we take matters into our own hands, and this is a, if you will, it's a prophetic warning to somebody this morning, don't take matters into your own hands or there will be consequences. Do what the Lord says, listen to his word and follow his instructions. Will anyone say Amen. 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 Then the word of the Lord comes via Isaiah. And he begins to speak about what will happen in this situation. I'm going to fly through these because I'm already up against the clock. I love this verse. I love this verse. It really appears that I love. 
This is what it says. The virgin daughter of Zion. This is the word to Sennheri. Despises and laughs at you. The daughter of Jerusalem shakes her head in derision as you flee, or as you run away. English isn't your first language. As you run away, the daughter of Jerusalem shakes her head at you. You see, you came to this city and you left at us and our dependence upon the Lord. But no, we will laugh at you. We will laugh at you, the virgin daughter of Zion. She will, you, you shook your head at us in derision, believing what? What's God going to do for you? But no, it is we who will be shaking our heads in derision at you. And this is important. The virgin daughter of Zion is very important because every time God speaks about his people, speaks about his church, speaks about Israel, speaks about wisdom, he uses it in the female gender. He refers to a daughter or a woman. And in this situation, it's really important because remember, the circumstance was they were surrounded. And the intention was that they were going to violate the city of Jerusalem. And I warned you last week about difficult scenes. They were going to violate the women in Jerusalem. That's what they were going to do. They were going to rape and pillage and plunder their way through the city of Jerusalem. And now the Lord says, no, you were going to do that to us. But no, we will do it to you. Brothers and sisters, the one who defends us is strong. Would anyone say amen? I'm going to say just for, just for somebody, a woman who's in here this morning, maybe listening online, your situation is very difficult. But the Lord says, if you depend upon me, you will be triumphant in your battle. Your defender is strong. God hates a bully. Would anyone say amen? amen. God hates a bully. He hates a bully. You are the apple of God's eye. Don't forget it. And you see, these were the things that the, the Assyrians were going to do to the Israelites. This is what they were going to do. But God says, no, they're going to turn around. He carries on and he says this. He says, whom have you been defying and ridiculing? Against whom did you raise your voice? And who did you look at such haughty and proud eyes? It was the Holy One of Israel. You dope, Sennacherib. You dope. Whoever you want to look haughty, whoever you want to defy, don't defy the Holy One of Israel. And you know, he then goes on to give him this classic, the Lord goes on to give Sennacherib this classic mafia warning. In actual fact, it may have even been the inspiration for the Republicans in Ireland giving their warnings. Loosely translated, I know where you live. I know where you live. This is what he says. He says, but I know you well. I know where you stay. And when you come and go, I know the way you've arranged against me. I know you well, said Harry. You think you're the man overthrowing kingdom after kingdom after kingdom, God after God after God. You think you're the man, but I know where you live, said Harry. I know when you get up. I know when you lie down. I know when you come and you go. I know the way you've arranged against me. And I'm thinking of Psalm 139 where it says, Where can I flee from your spirit? Lord, if I go to the other end of the other end of the world, your spirit is there. You know when I get up and when I lay down. That's the beautiful promise for the people of God. God watches over his people when anyone say, Amen. Amen. Here, it's the exact opposite. He knows that he's been watched over. The Lord says, I know where you are. He goes on to say, and because of your raging against me and your arrogance, which I have heard myself, he gives him a warning. He reminds him of what he can do to him, what he has done to the Israelites before him. He said, I will put my book 
in your nose. I will put my bit in your nose. I will make you return by the same road which you came. Hallelujah. What was planned for the people of God is turned back upon their enemies. How many times have we seen that in the scriptures? What the enemy plans for you will be turned back upon himself. Will anyone say amen? amen. What is planned for you will be turned back on itself. And you know, we have this dramatic setup, and we have this dilemma, and we have this conflict, and then at the very end of the story, we get almost a throwaway remark. The actual battle itself is recorded in just one verse. Here's what it says. It says, that night the angel of the Lord went up to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. There was bodies everywhere when they woke up the following morning. And this whole setup comes to this undramatic verse that actually shows what God did in this situation. One verse, there's 38 verses in the chapter, one verse is all that's dedicated to this story at the end. And do you know why that is? Because the real drama, the real battle happened when Hezekiah prayed. That's why this soul understand the real drama happened when the letter came to Hezekiah, he prayed and called up to God, and Isaiah prophesied the future. That was the real conflict, the real drama. This was just small change. And I love it, 185,000 verses, one. With God, you are always in the majority. Would anyone say amen? When God's favor is on you, nothing can stand against you. Amen? The door that he opens, no man can close. The door he closes, no man can open. Take it into our hearts. Take it into our souls. Do you need help from heaven today, brothers and sisters? Have you got a situation with your health and your hopes, your family, your home? Have you got a situation? Do you see a situation coming and know that today you need help from heaven? Not to take matters into your own hands or to be able to solve things for yourself that you need help from heaven. We're going to pray in a second. I love this. This is the epilogue. There's a short little epilogue at the end. An epilogue means like the closing out of the story that happens at the end of the story. Such a throwaway remark at the end. Really important. Remember, Hezekiah, when he was in trouble, went up to the temple of God and he was rescued and he was saved and he trusted the Lord. And the, as it happens, Home goes to Nehemiah, and he heads to his temple as well, to the temple of his god Nisroch. But here's what happens to him. One day when he was worshipping in the temple of his god Nisroch, his sons Adramelech and Sherezer killed him with their swords. The Lord rules in the end. In the end, instead of frightening Hezekiah from the Lord and to the Lord, instead of overthrowing Hezekiah, he actually is rescued by the Lord. The same gods that he boasted about cannot save him. Sennacherib's own gods cannot save him. The very thing, the very thing that he said the Lord of the Israelites could not do. Are you with me, brothers and sisters? Are you with me? Let me finish up with this last verse. Maybe the worship team will come up. We're going to sing, we're going to sing the song Marching On, which was the opening song we sang. We sang something different from the previous, but there's just a fabulous, fresh, Buzz from that song, I really, really love it. It's a great, some great words in it. The battle belongs to the Lord and no one else. Are you ready to have God's sign placed upon your life? Because when we pray and God moves and we acknowledge God's moving in our lives, 
God gets honored. He gets the credit. He puts his sign on our lives like the builders who put their signs on the buildings throughout the city. Whether it's BAM or... Let me hold on to me little there. Get up, man. Whether it's BAM or whether it's Hagerty or whether it's Sisk or whether it is whatever company you wish it to be. Whatever company it is. Whatever company it is. They put their sign on the building because the credit goes to the builder. Who do you want the credit to go to in your life? Do you want it to go to you or do you want it to go to the Lord? I suggest to you that your life would be better if the credit goes to the Lord. Will anyone say amen? amen? Here's what the prophet Hosea, who was prophesying at the same time, said just about this situation, about God's rescue. And some people here today need God's rescue and need it urgently. Here's what he said. This is what Hosea says, I will free them from their enemies. Not with weapons and armies or horses and charioteers, but by my power as the Lord their God. God will rescue you by His power, not by yours. He will rescue you by His power, not by the way that you can exert influence, not by the way that you can think your way out of the situation, not by the way that you can buy your way out of the situation. He will rescue you by His power as the power of the Lord their God. Will you stand with me? We're going to sing and we're going to pray and we're going to worship. I'm going to ask you this morning a very simple question. Does anybody here today need help from heaven? Do you need help from heaven today? Is your situation real and you need help from heaven? Can I ask you if that's your prayer? Would you raise your hands? I'm not going off. I need help from heaven every day. I just, I'm not always aware of it. I'm not always aware of it. We're going to pray in a second. But first of all, we're going to sing a verse of that song. Then we're going to raise our hands again and pray and close.
Lord, if there is anyone here today who is here for the first time, Lord, may they bring their prayers. Bend down and hear their cry today when anyone say amen. But Lord, we bring our troubles, our trials, our chaos, our battles, our troubles, the things that bug us and keep us awake at night, Lord. And we ask you, Lord, would you send help from heaven, Lord? Lord, we pray that we wouldn't take matters into our own hands, Lord. Lord, because you haven't given us a spirit of timidity and of fear, but you have given us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline, Lord. That's the spirit that you have given us. And in that spirit we pray today, Lord, will you move in our situation? Will you hear our prayers and hear our praise? Jesus' mighty name and God's people said a final.